The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 57, Bird Strikes, Flying Turtles, Flight Simulators, and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, hello, and welcome back to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 57. I'm your host, Len Costa. Joining me on the show today are my favorite group of aviation slugs. Starting, That's us. Yes. Starting with our first one. slug, the, the slippery Carl Valeri. Where, where are you and how are you, Carl? Well, I slithered down to uh, sunny Florida. <laughs> Right, passed through some whole bunch of storms and uh, enjoying the uh, the slugs that are actually on my deck from the the current rainstorms we just had. But uh, yes, it's nice. It's not as sunny in Florida as it usually is. It's uh, nice to be home for ten days. Woohoo! Ten days. What? What are you on vacation? No, just days off. Just days off. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Look some people you. call it a vacation. I just call it days off. Big senior pilot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not. Well, that's nice. 10 days. Excellent. Yes, good to hear. Doing all sorts of aviation stuff in those 10 days. Just, well, good for you. Make yeah. sure you uh make sure you sh- share all that with us. I will. I will. Don't keep it all to yourself now. Yes, I know. You may you have some interesting hot. interviews come from it. Oh, great. Yes. That'll be fantastic. Keep it a secret though. Don't want a spoiler alert. No, no spoilers. Exactly. <laughs> we'll uh we'll share it when it happens. Yes. That's right. The proof is in the audio. So uh, wonderful. Well, welcome our uh, our next aviation slug uh, from uh, Maryland. How are you this evening? I am not slimy. No, but not the dog sticky. sort of is. He just got a bath. He's nice. But he keeps farting. Yeah, God, the room smells. I'm enjoying this lovely view. <laughs> it's dark outside except for this like the moon's bright and it's shining through the trees, so it looks kind of Halloweenish. And um, yeah, Turbo's farting and ruining it all. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, but he's happy to hear the podcast, and he loves oh, being part of this. Excellent. So. Well, we're glad to have you and Turbo, the flying dog, with us. Thank you. Our uh, next aviation slug, all the way from yes. Massachusetts, Mr. Rick Felty. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm representing the New England Slugs. <laughs> New England which, Slugs. It's the, that's the little little known soccer league team here. <laughs> Boston area. I wasn't aware, but yeah, uh, they're not very is... good. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> speed is not their thing. Yeah, okay. no, it's not the, the New ball. England snails and no, exactly. Well, they play in that. Yeah, the snail, the league. turtles. Oh my gosh! Is a slug wow. related to a snail? It might be. It's just without a shell. It lost its shell. It's a homeless. It's a homeless snail. Yeah. <laughs> so not only is it a slug, but it's not, it doesn't have a house. It's a, yeah, it's homeless. <laughs> it's living on the streets. It's so sad. <laughs> Wow. Completely wow. derailed. The show, wow. the show isn't just off That's the track. The train is over in a pasture somewhere. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, great. Uh, well, unfortunately, our slug from Kentucky, Mr. Sean Moody, won't be joining us today in the show. 
duty calls at work. He's uh, he's working late into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, Skipping the show makes him the king slug, I believe. Yeah, king right. slug. That's right. He'll he'll have to find out when he listens to what yes. he missed. Uh, <laughs> so, Sean, you are now the king slug. If anybody asks, in fact, if you're listening right now, make sure you tweet uh, tweet that to yes. him so he knows that he knows that you heard it. But uh, and I'm Len Costa, joining you from the uh, world headquarters where I currently reside temporarily outside of the Chicago uh, metropolitan area, soon to be elsewhere in the universe, but uh, that's a topic for another time. And we've got a really fun show today, Uh, some topics about bird strikes and simulators and all kinds of good stuff like that. Let's do the pre-flight. Before we get started, however, we do have our usual round of announcements, starting with uh, Mr. Carl Valeri. Well, actually, I have two announcements today. No, you told me you had one. You told me oh. you, you emailed me one. We just talked I about this off know. the air. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Can we just do please? Actually, this is for our friends over the pond, yeah, across the pond, I should say, over in uh, England. My favorite museum that I haven't been to is the Duxford Air Museum. It's the Imperial War Museum in Duxford. They're having the Autumn Air Show, and it's actually celebrating 40 years of air shows over in England at the Imperial War Museum. They're going to have all sorts of neat Airplanes like uh, the Hurricane, Hunter, Spitfires, Sea Furies, Gloucester Gladiators, all sorts of neat uh, stuff from like World War II and uh, and even some more current aircraft. But for those across the pond or anybody visiting uh, England, you should go check it out. It's the Duxford Air Show, and uh, we'll have a link to that on the website. So I, I thought I'd throw something in there for those folks that are listening uh, from, from across the pond, and we do appreciate you all listening to us too. The uh, my next uh, announcement here is actually on. Let's see, it's October. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say the uh, date on the Autumn Air Show in Duxford. That's the 13th of October. 13th of October. Now, moving on to the next announcement, I have is Sun and Fun is having Wings and Things Youth Aerospace Weekend, October 25th through the 27th. And this thing is this is awesome. Uh, you know, Sun and Fun is they have events all year long. They actually had a, a big sale, like a a garage sale. They had uh, not things from Sun and Fun, but people brought them in and and sold them to make money for the for the Sun and Fun organization. But Wings and Things is like a it's a three day youth aerospace weekend, and it's held right there on Sun and Fun campus to introduce uh, people to the world of aviation. And everybody's invited, and uh, groups of scouts, church groups, uh, schools, homeschooling, families, everything. People come to this, and they can put together gliders. They uh, actually can get a a free flight in an airplane if they've never flown before, which is really cool. And uh, they can sign up for that opportunity. Students can use simulators. They can also go uh, fly a, a rocket. This is These are for kids from 7 to 18. So you can imagine the variety of, of things that they have to do. The other cool thing is they get to actually talk to an astronaut. Uh, while they're there, so I heck, I'm thinking of signing up for this. It's it's a pretty neat neat show, and they also have some uh, career exploration opportunities and introducing children to careers and also the science, technology, engineering, and math programs. So it's really really neat uh, neat stuff going on at Wings and Things on the 25th through the 27th. You want to go out to sunandfun.org website, and again, we're going to have a link to this and. You know, I, I tell you, this is one of the better camps that I've seen 
and they'll have they have different programs. If you've ever been to Sun and Fun, they'll have b- different programs around the campus, like at the Fire Hub, and they'll have like nighttime stories and, and stuff like that. So you'll really really enjoy that. Anyway, so that's the uh, the other event. And again, October twenty fifth through the twenty seventh, you go to sunandfun.org, and you can click on events. They have events all year, but you can go look at the uh, Aerospace Weekend. So that's all I have. Those two two events. Oh, very cool. So. Um... I have a couple of announcements as well to add today. Uh, first, let me let me break out the long list here. Good Lord. Um, first and foremost, we have a new sponsor on the show. I want to, uh, you know, it's my pleasure to welcome aboard our friends over at AviationUniverse.us, the folks with the pilot shop here locally in Chicago. They are a fantastic group of people. In fact, I did interview them uh, in their pilot shop on episode 55A. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, but uh, welcome. We're glad to have you as a sponsor on the show. Uh, Not 55A. Gosh, actually, 55A is the next announcement. That was an episode that I did live from Miggs Field with uh, Midwest Flight Lines. Uh, That's episode 55A. I sat down with John Kessinger over at Miggs Field. We walked around, uh, had a look, uh, see what was going on over there. Turned out it was a little bit more depressing than we thought. But anyway, uh, that was a fun episode in the field that uh, you can you can listen to. That's now live on the website. That's an awesome episode, by the way, Lynn. Was that it? That was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to that. Cool. Yeah, and and you're, it was a little depressing when you guys like... Yeah, no, I know. We won't spoil it. <laughs> and that's kind of the funny part because I'm like thinking to myself, well, we're having a great conversation here, but it's a, it's kind of still a, a, a very somber um atmosphere around this these parts at least somber for pilots but uh yeah check that episode out uh another very cool feature that we've just added to the website is that you can subscribe via email to receive all of our updates uh visit stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash updates you'll be redirected to an email opt-in box or you simply just put in your email address click sign up and you'll be immediately uh entered into um, receiving all of uh, all of the blog posts, uh, videos, every everything that we post on the website will be delivered straight to your inbox. So if that's something you're looking for, uh, that is a new feature that we have added uh, for you. Now, speaking of uh, you know sad things, uh, we had when we first started the show, we had an enhanced podcast feed. Uh, which meant that, you know, during the show when we mentioned products and services, websites and other things like that, if you were uh, listening in iTunes or on a mobile device, uh, you could actually uh, join us during the audio journey with a visual representation of what was happening. And you could visit those uh, destinations uh, right directly from your phone. And it's come to our attention that recently Apple has uh, stopped supporting the enhanced feeds, meaning they no longer provide a visual representation and access to the embedded links and stuff that we had been providing. So at this point, uh, at this point in life, we have stopped producing an enhanced feed. Now, what that means to you is absolutely nothing because uh, we have taken great care in updating all of the audio files in the background. Uh, so all of, uh, no matter where you're subscribed, whether it's iTunes or a podcast or anything, all the files have been updated. Nothing will, it should be pretty seamless to you. In fact, if you are experiencing any difficulties with the audio, please do send us an email so we know about that, so we can resolve it. Um, but everything else has been taken care of. Everything has been redirected. So you should, you should have, uh, you know, no issues 
with uh, with the new feeds. But um, if you do want to direct your podcatcher to the feed itself, that is stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash feed forward slash podcast. That is now the only um, the only feed that we provide uh, worldwide in, in, in any manner. So a little bit of bad news, but uh, so be it. And we're, you know, I've been working hard behind the scenes to fix all that. So uh, in fact, that's, uh, that is all that I have for announcements. Um, and before we do get started into the show, I do want to talk, uh, you know, mention our sponsors. Our first sponsor is uh, fourpilotsonly.com. Now, for Pilots only offers kneeboard options for iPad pilots to help reduce your cockpit workload. The iPro Aviator, the iPro Aviator slash M, and the iPro Navigator, and the new Naked Navigator. Now, these, uh, excuse me, these kneeboards are available for both the full-size iPad and also the newer iPad Mini. In fact, co-host Rick Felty yep. I have the full-size one. Yeah, you have the full one, and we did talk about that on a previous show, and yeah. as far as I understand, it's one of your favorite kneeboards. Yeah, no, it works. It's well-made, and it works great, and I love I love everything about it. It's really well done. Yeah, excellent. So that's... Uh, these guys have focused on that area. That's right. On, on, on providing these kind of support pieces for these new growing field of devices, and I think they do a good job. Yeah, I'm and glad it's, they're on board. this product is made in the USA, and it is guaranteed forever. Um, in fact, they've got one of the best guarantees I think I've seen in any business. If it falls or breaks... In any way, even if it's your fault, they will replace it for you. Visit them, stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash four pilots only. And our second sponsor is Aviation Universe, Chicago's Aviation Emporium, a uh, local pilot shop offering pilot and crew gear, die-cast models, aviation books, magazines, collectibles, and more. I did mention uh, a little bit ago that when I was uh, visiting their shop, I did interview them, and in fact... The folks over there are just absolutely wonderful. They also helped and a real, um, really contributed to the Stuck Mike Avcast 50th Bash event that we had locally. Just wonderful people. If you haven't listened to the episode, I definitely highly recommend it. But they do offer a full line of supplies that meets the needs of pilots and aviation enthusiasts and more products than you would ever need. You can visit them at uh, stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash aviation universe. Now entering cruise flight. Well, now that we've got all of the good stuff out of the way, let's move on to some topics. And uh, starting first, because Victoria has a very interesting uh, experience recently in the airplane, a bloody experience in the airplane. Uh, Victoria, what what exactly happened? (laughs) To warn you, the blood was not from me, and it was not from Bob. Um, We were on final to Frederick after a weekend trip to Virginia Beach when I heard a, whoa, come out of Bob and I saw a bird just for like a split second and Bob quickly pitched up, but it was too late. I just thunk is all I heard. And I kind of said, was that a bird? And Bob was like, well, what else would it be? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Something hit the plane. There's a gremlin on the wing. Something happened. It's one of those flying rocks. Yeah. (laughs) So my first concern was getting on the ground safely. We were on short final when it happened, so we landed. Number two was the damage. Um, Birds can cause a lot of damage. I actually read that um, the airplane needs to be rated for an eight-pound bird to fly into it at a certain speed rate. So uh, this was not an eight-pound bird, I don't believe. It was smaller. 
but I was really worried about something getting into the intake of the engine. So we let Tower know that we had a Berg strike, and then we proceeded to um, go into the taxi. And while we were taxiing, we heard Tower um, provide aircraft landing at the airport and alert that, that there has been bird activity on final. So they definitely were looking out for other airplanes in the pattern. We landed and saw uh, it hit just below the intake, and the uh, rest of it splashed onto the wings and the tail. Luckily, um, we didn't have any dents. Nothing hit the intake. It cleared the prop, so the airplane was in good shape. But it got me thinking about how prevalent these bird strikes are and how many close calls we had that I did a little bit of research, and I knew there was somewhere that we can report this. It's not an FAA requirement, but they really appreciate it when you do report a bird strike. The FAA actually keeps a database to study bird strike prevalence and how to kept, best keep pilots and little birdies safe in the air. At wildlife.faa.gov, there is actually a database, and um, you just submit the form. You can choose your search by airport, you can search by airplane, you can look at a date range, you can search by state and see all these bird um, impacts that have been reported. So also there, while you're checking out the database, there's a form for you to submit electronically and provide information about your bird strike. Birdstrike.org actually offers some reasons, some good reasons as to why you should report a bird strike. And I'm just going to read them off right here. Um, this is one of the first questions. Why report a bird strike? Uh, the simple answer is reliable reports of bird or other, other wildlife strikes to aircraft make it easier to reduce the problem. problem. Governments, airports, airlines, and airport operators have limited resources for reducing bird and other wildlife hazards. This data from the bird and wildlife strike reports make it easier to figure out and to best reduce the risk to lives, property, and the environment. Here's another very important question. My aircraft wasn't even damaged, so why bother? Most bird strikes do not cause any aircraft damage, but all bird strikes tell wildlife biologists and other experts something about the trend in numbers, strikes, size of birds, or areas of high risk. Remember, the experts cannot help you unless you help them. I cannot read today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, doing some more research, I actually looked at a graph that rated uh, bird strikes from 1990 to 2008, I believe it was, and it is becoming more prevalent. There are more and more bird strikes being reported. These are just the reported ones. doesn't include unreported bird strikes. So either... More people might re be reporting. Maybe there's more aircraft in the air. Um, you know, maybe there's more birds in the air. But it definitely is something that's increasing and that we have to watch out for. Now, the chart broke it down between just bird strikes and then severe bird strikes, ones that actually cause damage and harm, something to be worried about, like when it hit a windshield and the windshield broke. Those seem to stay pretty steady. Those were only in the 100s to 150s each year. So they weren't as prevalent, which I think is a good thing. It's showing that we're still relatively safe. You're okay to get on the ground in the case of a bird strike. So uh, that being said, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who has had some sort of close call or 
indeed had a bird strike. I thought maybe you guys would have something to share on that matter. Carl, you've got a blog post, actually. I was going to say, I've had quite a few of them. And uh, as a matter of fact, and I I didn't realize uh, before this we were going to be talking on this, but this is one of the uh, safety seminars that I give, uh, Bird Strikes, Hazards, and Avoidance, uh, through the fasafety.gov. And there are some really interesting strikes on there. But personally, uh, I've had about a dozen bird strikes. And that's why I became very interested in bird strikes. And I, for the past decade, I've been doing a lot of research. And that birdstrikes.org, that's an awesome, awesome website. And uh, Len, you, you said that I had a, a blog post. It's yeah. called How to Report a Bird Strike. I actually have two of them out there. I have another post. It's uh, a copy of the FAA seminar that I do. Uh, It's uh, Bird Strikes, Hazards, and Avoidance, and we'll put a link to both of those. You can actually download the uh, PDF file if you'd like to uh, read more about that. But, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, um, a real interesting thing about bird strikes, there's, there's all sorts of really neat committees out like Bird Strike Committees and Bird Strike USA, and there's uh, a lot of work that's being done, but... What's interesting is people uh, don't really know the facts about bird strikes. For instance, uh, you know, you can actually kill birds and stuff like that at the airports. There's many different uh, ways that we can mitigate the birds from being at the airport so that we don't have to kill them. And uh, border collie rescue, and uh, in conjunction with the, uh, it's called BASH with the the Air Force program, they've actually come together and they've uh, been able to start training animals and to border collies to chase off wildlife at airports. Amazingly enough, the border collies aren't as afraid of, of the aircraft as you would think, and they're super smart. And they can go for miles and miles and miles chasing animals. It's really, really fascinating stuff. But, but, uh, but there's all sorts of – I mean, I, I could go – this is about an hour seminar that, that I usually do uh, once a year on bird strikes. And uh, they're actually doing a lot more seminars, the FAA is, and so is birdstrike.org at uh, at all these different air shows but you know i want to i want to put a question out to to the group here and 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 to those in the audience as far as uh, excuse me to the listeners there's there's one uh thing about birds that a lot of people don't realize migratory birds and maybe someone could answer this what's the largest killer of migratory birds in the united states anybody want to chime in on that one len rick i have no idea Airplanes. I was going to say, this kind of sounds like airplanes. Is that a trick question? (laughs) No, no, that's no. It is a trick question, and it's fascinating to find out. And I did some research on my own with this. I was actually invited to go um, observe a a fascinating event. But the largest killer of migratory birds in the U.S. is actually windows, office buildings. Yeah, birds flying into windows in office buildings, and and I was invited to to go up with some of these groups and. Um, some of the conservation groups, but also birdstrike.org, and, and watch this. And I, I'm sure people listening have seen this. Uh, I never had, but birds actually, bam, smacking right into the windows in the, uh, you know, in, in office buildings, and then and dying right there. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. And uh, and now that there's a lot of studies now being done with wind, windmills and how much that's contributing to to uh, some of the the deaths of some of these birds and also low lying birds. So some really, really neat stuff has been happening. I think 
the the many different mitigation processes are are fascinating to me. For instance, uh, you see on many jets where they have the strobes, the lights on their landing lights going back and forth, and they're starting to realize, well, maybe it's not just the lights blinking that they can see them better. It's also maybe different colors, and uh, certain colors, certain birds can see more than others. Uh, it just just some amazing research just in the past ten years has been done on this. Uh, so we, you know, look look forward to to more of this in the future. One of the best ways to mitigate risks, and and I was involved in uh, helping some folks when they were putting in an airport in in the well in Texas. And uh, one of the things that you can do is try to mitigate where you're placing your garbage, and especially near oh. airports. And and don't even think that. That it's it could be industrial waste. In other words, not or excuse me, uh, building materials is what I meant to say. Building materials at airports because what happens is if you put building materials near an airport, well, there's nothing for the birds to eat, right? Well, what happens is during the construction, a lot of people say eat their McDonald's and they throw their McDonald's into the into the construction materials, and then birds start going after to eat whatever's in there, and things start living inside the dump. So. Whatever you do, there is a consequence, in other words. So we always have to study those consequences, especially within our environment around the airports and in general. So some really, really neat stuff. So I, I'd really encourage – I'm glad you brought this up. I mean I think this is obviously a, a topic I'm a little bit passionate about. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's something that I wish – maybe because I've been, had so many bird strikes, I, it's something I wish we could do more uh, – as far as reporting and, and try to get the word out to, to please report more of these, you know, where, where do you have the strike, that type of thing, and what direction of flight, et cetera. But uh, it does cause a lot of damage. I mean, uh, upwards of a, or now over a billion dollars a year in damage to between airliners and military. That's a lot of money. And we could save a lot of money too. If, uh, and, and, well, it's and a lot of course, birdies. I feel bad for the birds. A lot of birds. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and hopefully save some lives too, you know. And, exactly. uh, yes, you're right. And so we want we don't want birds hitting planes. We want them flying around and being happy. And we want the people in the airplanes flying around being happy and not being struck by birds. That's a very exciting experience though, isn't it? You know, you, yeah, bird. It, I don't, you never want to hear a thunk while you're flying. No. And luckily Bob volunteered to clean up the um debris. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But I did, you know, I was just so concerned about something getting somewhere like in the intake i checked that thing i don't know how many times i like looked under the planks there was a little bit under the wing so i was like well maybe something got in the wheel well so i was crawling under there and looking and you know there there could be there's so many accidents that happen from people who take off and there was a bird's nest in the cowling so that can cause extreme damage and just imagine if there was a whole bird or bird feathers just you know mid-flight you never know so i did a good post-flight after landing to make sure everything was all right because it is it is a scary and serious experience and luckily most of them you just walk away from with you know a picture of a bloody cowling Hmm. have you ever heard those like uh, bird calls at the airports you know to keep uh, it's a part of the mitigation process is to hear my not migratory, excuse me, uh, predatory birds in the background. Yes. Have you ever heard that? Yes, yeah, that actually about. that does. I thought work. there was like a laser system. I've never there's heard lasers, of sounds. There's cannons. There's la- I was <laughs> just looking it up. They have cannons. Like it's a propane cannon. It just you know puts out uh, a sound burst. Uh, there's all kinds of things. 
But my favorite is the Border Collies because I like puppies. Uh, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. <laughs> You'll start like the the League of Border Collies for oh. Birdie Protection Foundation. There already is. There's you know oh. the Border Collie Rescue is very involved in that. I mean they're good. Yeah, and the training uh, borders is, for is birdies. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> borders for birdies. There you go. Yeah. Fascinating stuff, guys. I mean, I you know it's too bad that that happened to you because of course well, a lot of times what happens is gosh you get some. Some really expensive repair later on. It obviously, wasn't too bad for you folks. Mm-hmm. It's usually just a cleanup of the mess. But uh, you know, when I've had and Len, you can talk about this. When I've had bird strikes in the airline, uh, it's you're done for the day if you can't find a mechanic to sign it off because they have to inspect it to make sure there was no damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, bird strike, and then you're like, oh boy, great, here we go. And it could be hours before you find a mechanic, or if you're lucky enough to have one there, they have to just inspect it, and make sure it's it works out okay. Right, a lot of people can... don't realize it's not just the damage; it can be, you know, uh, like in our case, it. Uh, how shall I say? You couldn't see through the windscreen afterwards because mm-hmm. of the mess, and yeah. so it was a little bit tougher landing. That's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's IFR. My, yes, it is. I have birdie. <laughs> I have birdie. Yeah. They follow Gosh. remains. Oh, <laughs> not, not, not go there. That one out. <laughs> you, you could almost hear everyone's brain working to find. Uh, yeah, it. yeah, mine was. Yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. Um, yeah, I've had a couple. Uh, Carl, to what you're saying, I've had a couple at the airline. Uh, one, uh, none that were really any terrible damage. Uh, one that did, you know, it did leave some uh, remains on the airplane, but there was no physical damage, no, no dents or whatnot. And you know, we wrote it up for maintenance to come and take a look of. One that did happen, actually, I, I say did happen. I think it allegedly happened. I remember rotating. Uh, we were we were leaving Arkansas on our way to New York, and I remember uh, rotating and just seeing this bird come like right under the airplane, and I really wasn't sure if we hit it. Or not, and we were climbing out, and um, you know, I, I said to the captain at the time, I was like, I'm really not sure if we hit that bird, but you know, I don't feel any adverse, uh, you know, behavior in the flight controls or any buffets in the fuselage or anything. And he agreed with me, and we radioed to the tower, you know, that we not sure if there was a bird strike or not, and they should send a vehicle out to inspect the runway to uh, see if there's anything out there, and. Uh, we continued on after determining that um, that, that it wasn't a factor in in uh, in that case. But it's it's interesting. I've seen a couple, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of different things out there online. One of them um, like went right through the uh, the fo- just above the windscreen in a Canada Air Regional jet, and it just tore a hole in it. Oh, excuse oh. me. No, this was the nose cone. I was thinking of a lightning strike. It completely demolished the nose cone and just ripped the nose cone open from the impact as it struck right on the nose cone, uh, and it was it was quite a mess. And I remember another story. Um, it was actually a friend who was traveling on an airliner, and uh, the aircraft was delayed for maintenance for departure. And they were boarding the aircraft, and the captain was uh, you know giving them an an update as to what was going on with the airplane and why the delay and what the maintenance was for and informed them that they had a bird strike and it had been ingested into the engine and uh, had all been cleaned out and inspected. But if they do happen to smell any residual burning during <laughs> flight, <laughs> that's, uh, I guess, normal in this case, if you will, which is kind of gross. But, uh, yeah, these things do happen. It's interesting. But we were, I, was lo- I was looking online when you were talking about it, about the bird cannon specifically. 
Um, mm-hmm. That is one method because I've seen I see those a lot. In fact, um, it looks exactly like what it sounds like. It's a small um, cylindrical uh, like cannon. It's almost like a potato gun um, on a tripod, and it's connected to a propane tank. And it basically just you know it doesn't. I don't. As far as I understand, I don't know about you, Carl. I haven't really read a lot about them, but as far as I understand, it just shoots out like a burst of. Uh, pressurized air it doesn't actually it's not a cannon to shoot at birds or strike the birds it's just uh it's a sound deterrent to scare them away and just like a starting gun right exactly and you know some of the other methods uh, that you usually see in a lot of places are those uh those spikes that they'll put on you know the top of runway signs or taxiway signs so that birds can't land on top of them uh that's you know that's another another deterrent but uh yeah, bird strikes are an interesting thing, and I fortunately have only had a, uh, you know, very few, only a couple that I can recall, and not in a general aviation airplane. But there is that, there is that fun story of, uh, of uh, I think it was, well, to to some degree, it was a flight test, and they were tr- they were testing the durability <laughs> of a windscreen, and they were they were shooting birds at the windscreen, and the wind, and and they every time they they were. Um, they were penetrating the windscreen and breaking it. And they wrote to the manufacturer and they were like, you know, what's going on with this? And they asked him what was, what, you know, what kind of bird, what size and whatnot. And they're like, step one, you must thaw the bird. <laughs> so they were shooting frozen birds at the windscreen. About and that, yeah. yeah, of yeah. course it was. <laughs> of course it was breaking it. Yeah, um, that'll happen. That will happen. That will happen. But um, there's turkey dinners floating around yeah. there in the sky, just waiting to find airplanes. You know, it's funny that you mention that because when I was flight instructing in Virginia, we had a lot of turkeys on the airport property. And one of the other flight instructors was on the runway and um, he had just added power in the Cessna 172 and started um, started rolling down the runway. And out of uh, his peripheral vision from the left side, he said, I saw this turkey sprinting towards, sprinting through the grass towards the runway. It leapt in the air and headbutted the cowling of the Cessna. And uh-huh. it just thud, you know, he's like, it just thud. And he, um, you know, he brought the power to idle and they stopped on the runway and uh, they cleared the runway. The, the, cow, the cowling was destroyed. And there was remains that uh, subsequently had to be cleaned up there. But uh, that was kind of, I mean, not to say that it's funny, but it was kind of funny. Like the the turkey was aggressive. It attacked uh. the Cessna. It jumped and, and headbutted the Cessna. It's unbelievable. So it's I, not, it sounded like it was committing suicide at first. It might have been, but, but know, it actually. Why did try to damage it? Why did the turkey cross turkey the runway? Cross the run. Yeah, because he yeah. He didn't want to be Thanksgiving dinner. He thought this was the lesser of two evils. Right. He was going right. to go on his own terms. Yes. There you go. <laughs> wow. God. From slugs to suicidal turkeys. <laughs> well, my, my only other experiences was a raccoon and a turtle. Oh, no. You killed a turtle? He was very slow. How, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know. How did at, at what altitude did you kill a turtle? <laughs> no. <laughs> taking off. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, taking off. Because that's like one. That's really sad. If there was I a did flying not turtle, think of that <laughs> when I said it. <laughs> it's a new yeah. species out there. Yeah, it was, it was like he's like the only one, and you ran into him. Oh gosh, then I'd feel really bad. Yeah. 
the flying turtle accident. Actually, in my defense, it was my instructor flying at the time demonstrating something. So he hit the turtle and I made him feel very guilty. So it wasn't 100% me. Hmm. Hmm. This reminds me of uh, a bunny rabbit we almost ran over two weeks ago. Just decided to run out in the taxiway and we came to a screeching halt and uh, watched the rabbit cowering, looking around at all these heavy jets and then it just ran off and and disappeared. But it reminded me of, looks like you took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. (laughs) But anyway, you know how many times I've used that joke and so many people are like, I don't understand. And I'm like, Bugs Bunny. Like, yeah, like, what what do you mean? Bugs Bunny? And I tell him. Because I, I did a lot of visiting in Pismo Beach last year in California, and I always used to make that joke out there, and people will look at me all cross-eyed like they have no idea what I'm talking about. Because he was Bugs Bunny, was always trying to get to Pismo Beach. <laughs> and he would follow up. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So, wow. Birds. We just need to put a whole, like, little tombstone on this episode. I'm depressed. You're depressed? I'm depressed. The Besides the flying turtle image, this is really sad. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, I just tweet you to, uh, Victoria, I uh, asked you at what altitude did you hit that, that, uh, turtle ad? Cause it, yeah. Very on, nice. be, on behalf of Rick. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> Flapping his little turtle wings. <laughs> uh, so now he's got a little turtle halo to go with the yes, turtle does. wings. Now he's, now he's, fu- now he can fly very easily. Yeah, very easily. <laughs> that's just amazing because a turtle is so slow in the first place. Well, if you move, know. you can imagine. Better than a slug. Yeah. If the turtle... You know, turtle can't get out of the plane's way, especially on takeoff, right? So, and yeah. you don't have much control. So, no, some things are inevitable. Well, it's kind of like in a car. They say sometimes it's just best to hit the deer versus swerving because you don't know what the swerving could do to you. Mm-hmm. You f- throw off your car or something, central whatever. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I would probably if if I saw the turtle coming, I probably would have throttled back and slowly right. maneuvered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I just actually had a uh, listener send us a bird strike video um, about bird strike risk and avoidance. So we'll uh, put that in the show notes. Oh, rock on. Of course, the show notes you can reach at stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash five seven. That's the number 57. That's the short link to the episode. Um, Carl, we were going to also talk about your experience recently flying a Redbird simulator and Redbird a simulators. Bird. A yes. di- yeah, a bird of a different kind. Different this, color. <laughs> this one you got inside and actually flew instead of watched it smash into you. Yes. Um, but Re- Redbird is kind of doing a really cool thing. Uh, I've seen a few of them in person, and I'm not entirely sure that they're enti- the whole business model is like this, but it was one of the first general aviation motion simulators that I had I had uh, become aware of by a company called Redbird um, and it does it's not it, and it's not exactly like you know an airline or a turbine jet simulator where it's on hydraulics and moves around and all that stuff but it does move around in some capacity now was it were you in one of the uh, the motion ones oh yeah the Redbird FMX so Redbird te- FMX tell us about this experience because this is interesting well, this this was it was awesome. I tell you, I went over to uh, Polk State College. Eric Crump, who is in charge of the program there, he invited me to come fly their Redbird flight simulator. And uh, it was actually during a period where I was talking about aviation careers. And boy, it was so neat to get into this thing. I felt like I was in a simulator at work. 
And it blew me away uh, after just a couple of minutes of being there that I was, I felt like I was really flying. Now, a lot of people, I think, are that think that these simulators are just for instrument training, but they're not. Uh, the Redbird especially is, is more for all types of training. And what's, what's amazing is how they came up with this, this concept of it it's, can fit in a room and they can fit in a classroom and it can move and it can, you feel like you're flying the airplane and you feel like you're in the airplane because it has 200 degrees of sight. So you get in here and you're flying VFR. You're not flying IFR. So, you know, I told him, I said, listen, Eric, you know, I want to I do some VFR stuff. He's like, sure. So I went out, did some stalls, turns, and he said, well, you know, go, go towards the airport, uh, downwind, base to final, and, and land. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, go for it. And you know what was the most amazing thing about the whole experience was the fact that on my drive home, I was thinking about my flight. And I really felt like I was flying an airplane because of the, the, the motion and also everything in the cockpit was set up just like a regular cockpit. Now, they have all these different options where it can be a multi-engine trainer, it can be a single-engine trainer. But the one thing that impressed me was the fact that all the graphics were, were fairly quick. Now, if you do like a snap roll or something, it's not going to catch up that quickly. And they run everything on one computer. Not multiple computers, just one computer. And it's, you know how those big simulators, they are, they're on hydraulics and they push up and they have to hold up this, this huge room that's full of people in a simulator? Well, this can hold actually like three people in there. And it doesn't pick you up. What it does is it rotates around these like gimbals and moves the, the actual simulator back and forth along the ground in a yawing motion so that the, that gra- center of gravity is in a different spot. It doesn't have to push you up. So what does that do? It enables it to be a lot cheaper. And that was the other thing that, that amazed me. This simulator, a lot of simulators are as much as an airplane, is uh, fairly inexpensive for a, a quote-unquote full-motion simulator. It, it's, I think they're selling for only like about $60,000. But that sounds like a lot of money, but imagine what you can do in the airplane. The real the, the key to this the simulator, I think this is awesome, is the the fact that they are doing some training in the simulator that you would normally do in an airplane for VFR pilots. As a matter of fact, there's some where is it? Uh, somewhere in the Middle East where they're they're having them go in the Redbird FMX for flight training prior to them getting into an airplane to see, and in an inexpensive way, of course, whether they have the aptitude for being a pilot. So they give them about five, ten hours in this training device. Even if, say, some of the hours don't count towards your training, it doesn't matter. You're learning so much. You can so show systems. You can show failures. With this, uh, it's actually an advanced aviation training device. It's just a, uh, able to move. With this device, you can stay current IFR also. You can't do, say you need an IPC, though. You can't do the full IPC in the simulator because you still have to go out and uh, do, what is it, the circle to land, uh, so to a full landing. That's the only thing you can't do in this simulator. But from the moment I walked into this, I was like, wow, I felt like I, felt like I was at work. You know, Len, you know, getting into a simulator. I actually got a little bit nervous, because usually when you're in the sim, it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm being evaluated here. And, um, and, and what was neat is the fact that I hadn't flown a single engine in about a year. 
And <laughs> I forget what Eric said to me. He's like, hey, you know, for a, for a jet guy, you didn't do so bad in a small airplane. And I laughed. And, you know, all of us instructors know that we usually, as in flying a big airplane, you always flare at 50 feet, whereas in a small airplane, you don't want to flare that high. I will say one thing. I, I hadn't flown a, you know, something that slow in a while, and it took forever to get around the pattern. The, the other neat thing about this, and he demonstrated this with some students on some other simulators, is the fact that you can do, do some really realistic failures and you are distracted by what's, what you're looking at outside and then all of a sudden you look down and you're like, hey, wait a minute, why is my oil pressure zero? You know, why is the temperature high? Oh, I have a problem. But I normally would have seen that if I was just flying IFR and, and looking under the hood or looking at the instruments, I should say. So I, I really think Redbird has done something amazing with this device. They've, they've enabled the, uh, all schools to be able to afford something that they can have for training so there's no longer any rainy days. There's no longer any cancellations because you're always coming to the school to do something. And you can always get in that simulator and you can practice landings, you can practice takeoffs, you can practice stall spins. And you know what? You're doing it in air conditioning, and that's pretty cool. Instead of sitting there in the cockpit, and you know it, it's it's a much less threatening environment. So now you've done your stalls in the sim, uh, you've done your touch and goes, your soft field landings. You go out and do it in the airplane. You're you're not quite as nervous. But I, I think all around this is a wonderful device that I think all schools should try to get, even if it's not the full motion. But the full motion does help. It really does. It it helps you. Uh, really feel those the the g forces etc. The neat thing about this too, by the way, um, I don't know if I can explain this concept, but there's a concept of parking that the uh, full motion simulators have to do when you're in a regular full motion sim. In other words, it'll produce a certain force and then it'll have to go back to a neutral uh, position. Well, in this simulator, because of how it's it's uh, hanging from these, I guess you call them gimbals or whatever, they they actually uh, don't have to do that. So they can do a full 1G 360-degree turn uh, without moving it all up and down and around like you do on a bigger simulator. Pretty fancy stuff. These guys are pretty darn smart. And, you know, when you look at it, and as far as the, the physical attributes of it and maintaining it, all you have to do is make sure it's full of uh, hydraulic fluid. There's just a little pump in the front. Turn on the computer. Oh, and, and when you say you have a student and you want to throw them in the simulator, you know those little, what do they call those, those USB, um, I can't remember, the USB sticks that you can put in the computer? Mm. That You can actually give one to your students, say, here, here are your three lessons, and it will only allow them to fly those three lessons, and they can do it on their own. I mm. think that's pretty cool. You know, they can fire it up themselves, they can go in there, and they can actually go ahead and, and fly the lessons on their own. I think that's pretty cool stuff. Pretty neat stuff. So uh, I do know one thing that I that I know some schools with these red birds have had to do for their insurance, and, and I don't know, maybe Victoria can comment on this. <laughs> I, I don't understand um, why some schools make you do a checkout and some don't as an instructor, and they said something to do with insurance, and I guess it's a physically moving device. So I, there's the possibility of getting some type of injury. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe. I, have you ever insured one of these, Victoria? Insured simulators? We mm -hmm. do them all the time. The um, Redbirds? Yeah. 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 Oh. You you got insurance for liability and then also mm -hmm. they're expensive machines so you can yeah. insure the actual machine itself for what it's worth. 
Yeah, because you could like wheel this out and put it in a pickup truck and, mm-hmm. and take off, kind of thing. Yeah, so you can theft. I could see might be an issue too. My my uh, question though is actually about the simulators. Do you feel that people try as hard or focus as much, knowing it's not real and that they're safe on the ground? I know, like when I play Microsoft Flight Simulator or something, I'm just not as focused as I would be if I were in a real airplane. I think I think you do, and I think the reason being is that when you're really jerky on the controls or you decide to do a, a roll, you're going to feel it. And some people True. actually get, he was saying, get sick in the simulator mm-hmm. uh, from all the visuals. And I, I actually, I felt, and that was, again, when I was driving away a half hour later, I said to myself, wow, uh, that was an experience. I'm thinking about my flight in the simulator, like what did I do wrong and stuff like that? What could I have done better? And so I did take it more seriously because of the fact that it was in this total immersion in this cockpit where if I wasn't in that room, if it wasn't moving, I don't think I would have taken it quite as seriously. I'd have to concentrate a little bit more. Um, so I'd say yes. I think, I think you definitely do take it more seriously. And, and they even have set up for headsets too. So you can actually talk to your student over the headsets. And they okay. actually have to push the, the push to talk switch and stuff like that. So I would my, say yes. My experience there was uh, – doing an observation in a full motion simulator um, and it crashed. Like the, huh. the person flying the plane uh, crashed into the ground. And I remember my reaction was covering my face and flinching. I mean, you were so, I was so <laughs> immersed in the flight and, and the fact that it was moving around. And, um, you know, when the crash occurred, I was, I, I literally jumped out of my seat and it was, it was jarring, you know, <laughs> physically because all the all the visuals and the motion was there to lead you to believe that it was actually happening. So, I, the motion I think is probably what adds that dimension um, that gives you the you know the reality that uh, yeah you are on the ground, but it gives you the perception that you're actually doing something. I think that's sort of what's been missing in some of the flight training devices out there previously. Yeah, I, I'd agree, Len. And the motion and the visuals, I think both of those, you know, the fact right. that I actually am looking, I'm using my head and I'm turning to the right to see where I am on the downwind Correct. and my base to final. Yeah. And both of those things. I really, I was sucked into it. I mean, I was like, wow, I'm I'm actually flying. This is great. You know, I, I felt like having to pay him for this. You know, I was like, gosh, this is a great lesson. Thanks, man. You know? Yeah, my landing was okay. By the way. By the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's 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 my joke now. When when we swap airplanes with other flight crews and they're like, you know, what's anything wrong with the airplane? I was like, no, it's all good. And it also lands good from the right seat. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I was looking, yeah, hoo-ha. I was, uh, I was looking at the Redbird website and the, the visuals, it says it's over a 200 degree wraparound visual, which is quite impressive. It has, um, it has, where is it? got to go back to it. 50... 50% pitch, 60% yaw, and 40% roll. So this thing moves around pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. It sure does. It's impressive. Yeah, man. It, you know, the, that that wraparound, as you can see on those pictures, we'll have a link to the Redbird Simulations website. But the side view is the biggest thing. that, And even if it wasn't moving, because they have a non-moving simulator, and just with those visuals, you could actually get a little bit sick. I mean, I'm sure people have done that in those big theaters, like an IMAX theater. You feel like you're moving, but you're not. So yeah. with that and the motion, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I really, I'm really sold on this. I, I, I think this is, 
the, the next big leap in training. And they believe it too. It's somewhere in Texas, I can't remember where, that they have the, the flight school that they're putting together. And they have desktop models that you can uh, use at home and keep current at home. Uh, and and it's, it's fascinating what they've done with those desktop models. They've actually uh, taken uh, the overlays for the buttons for the G1000 and they've put a screen behind it so the G1000 buttons are right where they should be. Uh, they're not really offset at all. So say you want to push the direct button, you push the direct button and it's right, it's showing on the screen above the actual physical button. So they've done a good job of actually placing things in the right spot is, is what I'm trying to say there. They've, and, and really, if you think about it, that's pretty darn cheap to, to buy a simulator for that much money. And yeah, the maintenance on it, is really, from what I've heard, it's not that bad. And you can run these things all the time. Um, so I, I definitely, I'm looking at it. Boy, I think it'd be a neat thing to put in a flight school. Yeah, I think it is. And what you were talking about in the price point, right around the 60000 mark. I mean, if you're buying new airplanes at a flight school, new uh, new 172s are, what, $150,000, 180000 So you could, like you said, you, you know, you want, you'd have far less downtime on rainy days, days with bad weather. Um, plus, providing an extra an extra benefit to the students, I, I think they're, they're you know their simulators are good for a whole host of things, not just recurrent training and and uh, you know instrument proficiency checks, but sometimes like just the first one or two flights with a brand new private pilot student pilot applicant, you know, just kind of getting them situated with what a cockpit looks like and what the motion looks like and just general things. Um, you know, it could give them a, a better level of awareness. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of simulators. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. A lot of I'm good sure. reasons to use one. You know, there's a, uh, and moving forward with that, you can do many lessons. And with the Redbird, I think they've already come out with this option where they're going to have yoke uh, loading. In other words, you're going to feel that the, the yoke is going to be stiffer as you mm-hmm. get into the turn, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll, that'll be pretty cool to see too. So yes, yeah. I'm excited about it. Very cool. So does excited. anyone remember? Oh, yeah, go sorry. ahead. I was going to say, does anyone remember how many hours that you can log towards your private pilot or instrument that are simulator time? I think it's only a couple hours for private. It's only yeah. a few, isn't it? It's yeah, few, but instruments, what, 15? Yeah, instruments a lot more, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But think about proficiency, you know. And, and again, oh, yeah. Uh, Trying to get past that, that paradigm of this is only an instrument simulator. It really, it's also a visual simulator. So you bring people out that haven't flown right. for a while right. and get them in the aircraft and, and have them do touch and goes here and then go from there. You really can tell if someone's flying right, like, you know, stepping on the rudder and making sure the ball's in the middle, that type mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. which I kind of did okay at. I kind of. <laughs> you don't have a lot, a lot of there's, there's not a lot of that in a turbine airplane, is there? No, no. Pretty much, Only on landing. Yeah, I don't I use those <laughs> rudders for steering on the ground, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, but it's it really is neat though. It does you know you put your right rudder in as you're going down the runway, that type of thing. It's it's pretty cool, uh, and it, it works once you take off. You have to put more in there less, and depending on if you're descending or climbing, it's it's. I think it it really it, it's a cheaper way to learn how to physically fly the airplane, and then you can get out there in the actual airplane, especially since the price of airplanes has gone up so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, Yes, they uh, they're doing something there, but this this is kind of like my I won't get into it now, but there's there's some neat things that they're doing over there at the school, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about later. Later, okay, like later. pretty soon. 
Well, you got me thinking what, when, you, what? when you said put the right rudder in, the hokey pokey jumped into my mind. I, me too. It's in my head. <laughs> put the right rudder in, put the right rudder out. Okay, anyway. <laughs> this, this one's I, out. I this show's out of control today. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, very cool. So, Redbird Flight Simulators. Yeah, I've seen those as well. Uh, very neat. I put some links out on Twitter. Stuff we'll have in the show notes as well. Our picks of the week. But we will move on to uh, the picks of the week. This is our portion of the show where we get to share cool and new aviation. Not always new, but cool aviation products that <laughs> we've uh, discovered or used or have experiences with and all kinds of stuff like that. Starting first with Rick. Rick, I feel like I haven't heard from you in yeah. a while. Let's t- talk Hello. about your pick of the week. Well, I was just, I'm, I'm learning I know about all these things. Um, mine is a, a, a YouTube channel that is uh, videos. Um, and it's, it's uh, sort of new. Um, and it's interesting. It's just, it's a, it's called pilots tube HD and that's on YouTube and it's, um, you know, it's cockpit videos, it's landings. It's, it's a mixture of POV from the front, uh, of, of planes, you know, uh, airplanes like you guys fly. It's a, it's a young guy's site. He's like 17 years old. Uh, and he does a lot of plane spying as well, but his dad flies, um, uh, 737s and films some things. And so he posts some of his stuff. He flies, I guess, you know, he must fly enough that he takes uh, videos out, out windows that are HD. It's pretty cool. So it's called uh, Pilot's Tube HD, and it's on uh, YouTube. All right. And that's it. Uh, Victoria, your pick of the week. Uh, this pick of the week, I'd like to send a shout-out to Jeff. He called me today to have some um, questions for non-owners insurance, and he told me about this awesome airport called the Triple Tree Aerodrome. It's in South Carolina, and it's a 7,000-foot turf runway. And it's alongside a river where airplanes take off. And they have this triple tree fly-in every year, which is for pilots and EAA members only. And it's kind of like a mini Oshkosh. And just to give you a quick idea of how big this place is and what cool things they do, it's um, actually... 400 feet wide, 7,000 foot long runway, 440 acre property with a five acre pond, two gazebos, a private bathhouse, which I'm told have granite countertops, unlimited camping, six miles of hiking trails, private beach alongside the river, um, restored World War II Air Force control tower, uh, it, the list goes on. Famous barbecue night, special spouses time and non-pilot activities, cook your own steak night, great music, and it, the list goes on. So that's in September every year, it looks like. And this airport seems pretty cool, even if you're going there not for the fly-in. So that's the Triple Tree Aerodrome, and I'm so excited to add that to a list of things to check out. I'm going to look at that. Uh, when we get off the show, because I didn't get a chance to look at it earlier, but it did sound pretty cool. It is. Neat so on. thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Woo, woo. Jeff. Woo, woo. There we are. I have uh, one that actually I never even occurred to me that would make a good pick of the week. I get these newsletters in my email inbox from the NASA Aviation Safety Reporting System. Uh, it's called uh, it's called Callback. And what it is, is it's a monthly safety newsletter and uh, very often includes de-identified aviation safety reporting system report excerpts with supporting commentary 
and all that. And it's just a, you know, it's an interesting newsletter to help kind of bring awareness to things that are going on out of there. Of course, the aviation safety reporting system is obviously something that we as pilots contribute to voluntarily. So there's a lot of good information in there because what they're doing is sharing some of these reports. Uh, Obviously, like I said, it's de-identified, so you don't know who it was or where it was. In fact, one of them today, they even blocked out the waypoint that they were talking about. So it's it's extremely, um, extremely confidential that they they strip all the information out of it. But it's very cool. Uh, I didn't even realize, like I mentioned, uh, this would make a good pick of the week until one popped in my email inbox. I'll put the the link in the show notes. There are two options. I'm looking at the website right now. You can either subscribe uh, via email to get the the monthly newsletter via email, or they also have an archive right there on the website. Uh, It's called the Aviation Safety Reporting System Callback. It's under their Publications and Studies section on the website. So go ahead and check that out. And uh, Carl, your pick of the week. Uh, My pick of the week actually is... uh the Polk State College Aerospace Program, the website, and a couple things. Number one, uh, thanks for letting me fly the the uh, simulator there in the in the Redbird and giving me the opportunity to speak to uh, some of our future aviators. Uh, the Aerospace Program website, the one reason I'm mentioning it is the fact that he has a lot of links, uh, or they have a lot of links on that website to different things like uh, how to get your FAA medical, scholarships, uh, different uh, um, loans, uh, things like Bureau of Labor Statistics, all sorts of neat stuff on that website. Uh, it's just a quick overview of how to become a pilot. Also, they are very innovative over at uh, Polk State College in the way that they teach and teach aviation and through using simulators like the Redbird and, and maybe making better pilots out of and by enabling them to learn in a much less uh, uh, threatening type of environment like the airplane first in the simulator and then move on. And I think they're doing a wonderful job. As a matter of fact, uh, they had their first uh, aerospace licensed pilot uh, in their, excuse me, in their aerospace program, and that was in uh, September of this year. So that's pretty cool stuff. uh, There's another hopefully big announcement that they'll have but I'm not going to say that because it hasn't happened yet. And they will be, hopefully will be the first in the country to have this uh, first state college in the country. But we shall see if that happens. Plus, neat thing is they're moving to Lakeland and they're going to be at uh, uh, their campus for the aviation program is actually going to be right there in Lakeland, Florida. So you're going to see them over at Sun and Fun. So I'd, if you get a chance, visit them on the campus of Lakeland at Sun and Fun and uh, talk to Eric Crump. He's passionate about aviation. Uh, if if I could ever do like you know one of those things, I'll trade your job for mine thing. Uh, I'd love to do his job for a month and have him do my job for a month. I wish we could like job share because I think he's got like a really cool job being the the head of their aviation program there at Polk State College. He he really is inspiring kids and and uh, inspiring young adults to become uh, aviators and and do their best in in this uh, world of aviation. And also in anything else they do in life, he's a, he's a neat, neat fellow. He's also, you know, a very humble man. He's also one of the people that uh, is on the rewrite committee for the the practical test standards, along with John and Martha King and some of the other folks there. So, neat fellow. So I'd, I'd go check that out and talk to just uh, give him a call, talk to him about careers, even if you're not going to go to uh, Polk State. So again, that's at polk.edu/aerospace. All right, the after landing checklist. That concludes episode 57. Uh, we ask that you do us a favor. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, if you've enjoyed the content that we've shared with you, 
Uh, you can visit the, sh- the the episode on the website at stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash 57. That's where all the show notes are. Um, on there, whether it's on the website or on the blog post, are uh, some affiliate partners that we've partnered with. Do us a favor. Click on those links, uh, browse around, see if there's any products that you're interested in. When you do make a purchase, we do receive a small commission. There is, of course, no extra cost to you, but uh, that does help with the production costs and hosting and uh, takes care of operating the website. We appreciate that. We love getting together, making the show, and we'll hope that you'll check that out. Also, a special thank you to Four Pilots Only and Aviation Universe for uh, sponsoring this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. From myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, Victoria Zyko, and our absentee, Sean Moody. Until next time, uh, oh, damn it. I screwed that up. <laughs> Until next time. Until, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> you can, yeah, leave that in. Uh, okay. for, from all of us, thanks for listening to this episode of the Stuck My Gap Cast. Until next time, fly smart, fly safe. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa Production.